0: This episode of Innovations in Education is brought to you by Adobe Sign. Adobe Sign helps schools go paperless, which revolutionizes the business of running an institution. Use Adobe Sign to create seamless workflows that are simple for staff and students to complete and can save your school both time and money, reduce errors, increase security and compliance, and foster operational resiliency. From HR, finance, and procurement forms, to student-facing forms like IEPs and device consent forms. Paperless workflows powered by Adobe Sign create digital experiences in schools that make life a little easier for the entire campus community. Okay, hello, and welcome to Innovations in Education, Higher Ed Edition. My name is Kevin Hogan. I'm editor-at-large at at eSchool News. I'm glad you found us. Uh, And welcome to the inaugural podcast for innovations education, specifically for for eCampus news. Excited to start this particular journey. Have been working for a while with eSchool uh, on the K-12 sector. Obviously, lots of really interesting and important things happening in the higher ed space. I'm just really happy and excited to be able to cover it in this in these crazy times as a journalist. It's a lot of interesting stories. So um, let's just get started this week and look at some of the top things that are happening and posted to ecampus news i guess in terms of the back to school and back to campus obviously the pandemic still takes top billing uh, when it comes to how colleges and universities are continue to adjust in this crazy time there's something that has continued to fester even it was there before the pandemic but continues and has been even worse and that is the threat of cybersecurity in fact in some ways the pandemic Has made the situation, which was already bad, uh, even even worse. The Israeli-American cybersecurity group Checkpoint Software tracked a massive increase in the targeting of the education space worldwide. Twenty-nine percent rise in attacks uh, from the first half of the year, with an average of more than seventeen hundred attacks per week. So that's something that is, you know, it's a it's a constant war. It's a constant battle, and in the following of that news, I had the opportunity to talk with Mark Dean, Senior Systems Administrator Morehouse School of Medicine, and he talks about all the various strategies that they've had to use recently to kind of continue this ongoing battle. Took a little piece of the snippet here.
1: Have a listen. You click on it and it opens a PDF and it says, oh, you need to open, you need to put a password in there or anything like that. That's why, we, that's why I don't have a lot of uh, confidence that this is something that can be solved um, because in, in this case, it's the users who are giving them what they want. They, they replicate a password field, make it look like they're logging into something, they make it look like our web page or whatever. Um, so you really can't blame them, even though we tell them don't click on links in email. It's, it's just too much, I think, for users to really uh, get a handle on. Um, and it's really hard from security side to manage, manage that because, you know, links, how do you know a link is good or bad? The, the, the ransomware people use Amazon services just like we use Amazon services. So it's really hard to get that. The other thing, though, is some stuff comes in from unpatched systems. So when I hear of a company that got hit with ransomware and it was an unpatched system, I don't, my, my sympathy gets lower from that because there's really no excuse for that, you know, yeah. especially if, if you're Windows, they don't even charge for updates. So there's no reason why a system administrator would ever leave behind in patching. I mean, I know we're all busy, but yeah. that's an an easy win because most ransomware is two two things actually, it's clicking on something and then it's exploiting some problem with the PC, some unpatched thing. And then they do things like pivoting where they'll gain administrator access. And then they'll, now they got that for this one user. Now they go look at the network. Using the same tools we use to manage the network, they're gonna enumerate the network. They're gonna say, well, if this password worked here, maybe it worked work here. And then they look for your servers and you look for your backups and then you have a rough, rough week. Yeah. Is there anything about the fact that Morehouse is a
0: medical school or it's just when you're talking about that sort of work that they're doing that makes the data uh, that much more, I don't know, less secure or, or, or more important to protect when it comes to, you know, medical images or private health information out of, you know, patients possibly that are working in, in the school. Talk a little bit about if there are any extra layers of concern on your part from a, from a network perspective because we're talking about a, a medical institution.
1: There, there is only because we have uh, clinics. So we have healthcare data. So we have actual patients out in the, uh, in, in the remote clinics. And that kind of data is, is, is a prime target because it's, it's got a lot of information that can be used to steal identities. So my mm. understanding is ransomware people go after that kind of data. Now I heard I read somewhere that they're they're not gonna um, hit healthcare places, but I don't know if you can trust people who do this kind of thing. Um, someone's gonna do it. Yeah. And we get we get we get not just spam, we get phishing emails every day. There's not data that goes by that some phishing email not come to somebody. So it's, we're we're constantly being hit. I mean, they may, many they may not even know who we are. These are right. from other countries and all that stuff. So
0: yeah, it's just kind of a random, random attacks, right? Yeah. News this week out of Wiley Education Services, which is a division of Wiley, uh, they released their inaugural Powering Education Partner Transparency and Outcomes report. This is in order to provide new insights to what they say are the career-connected education services that they provide to university partners. The report examines affordability, partnership models customer satisfaction, and student outcomes. Reports uh, reflect positively on Wiley's results uh, compared to other online providers. The report also looks at their connections with over seven universities worldwide where they deliver these sort of services. Uh, we had the opportunity to talk to Todd Zipper, president of Wiley Education, to go a little deeper inside. Have a listen. Todd, thanks so much for your time today. I appreciate it. You too.
2: Thanks for being here, Kevin.
0: Well, let's just Get right into it. Tell us the purpose behind the report. You know, it's not exactly a time to be, during a pandemic, to be putting these sort of things together. So it must have been difficult, but so give us some of the, the findings and, and why you thought there was a reason for this sort of data.
2: Yeah, well, you know, online education is really no longer a nascent service. And I think the pandemic showed that as we saw so many schools and learners, um, you getting the primary their education online. And so, like others in the industry, we became, we went, really welcome the discussion and to try to create more transparency around what it is that university services is in terms of partnering with universities, companies like ours. And so, we hoped to shed light on how we support our partners to show where they're empowered. And, and from the report, we really discovered that you know, we wanted to expose what the partnership models were, the customer satisfaction rates, tuition levels graduation and retention rates. So those are the initial areas in this inaugural report that we have seen, you know, and we service roughly 70 uh, or so more universities. We have over 800 degree programs. We have over 200 plus uh, micro credential programs. And really what it showed us was really four uh, major findings that our programs were more affordable than comparable online programs without sacrificing quality, which as we know, we're, the schools are in the driver's seats. These are their programs, these are their faculty, these are their admission standards, ultimately. And so that was a really important finding. Our student outcomes are really strong and, and we can go into that. That's really the retention and the graduation rates that we've seen. The third thing that we saw was the learner and faculty satisfaction, whether it's the learner satisfaction with the program and, and how they interact with the services that we offer, um And the faculty satisfaction with how they work with our academic services team and sub- student support services team were really, you know, from a no- net promoter score standpoint, really stellar. And finally, that our programs, we believe, is showing a really important uh, accessibility angle of, of what they do. So those are kind of the findings that we saw from the report. Any surprises? Not really. You know, I, I think for us, we believe we have nothing to hide here. We want to expose as much as we can. And as I mentioned, this is the inaugural report. We're hoping to show things around employability, which is uh, you know hard to show. But in partnership with our schools, we're going to spend the next year trying to figure that out. So we can show some of those rates because that's obviously why learners really look at the report. But you know, but for us, you know, we think that we offer a lot of value to our partners. Many of our partners are capital constrained. You know, as you know, we're in this great resignation now and so to get the talent they need to keep up with the innovations is hard, and a company like Wiley really brings that that sort of capital and that expertise to bear, and I think that's what the report shows.
0: And you mentioned that this is the inaugural report. What are your intentions there? I mean, how often a year? Is this going to be an annual thing going forward and to kind of track this data?
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be annual in nature, right, because we want to see cycles of you know, enrollment sort of comes in, call it three stages throughout the year. You've got the fall, which we're in right now. You've got the spring, which is really the winter to a degree. And then you've got the summer. And I think it's really good to see that data sort of play out over, over a year and see how we ultimately go. So yeah, we're going to do this annually. We're now in a conversation with the market. We're exposing our, a lot of what we're doing here. And then we hope to keep improving on that and and working with you know, the market, whether it's, it's regulators that, that have interest here, whether it's pundits, um, observers that have opinions about it, we think we're going to, you know, improve a lot on what we're doing.
0: Great. Well, uh, congratulations on the release. I know it uh, takes a lot of hard work to do that. And uh, good luck with the reports as it goes forward. Todd, thanks for your time. All right. You too, Kevin. Thanks so much. Okay, and finally today uh, we have one other uh, recent report that I found to be particularly interesting. Up eCampus news site, and that has uh, that report came from Educause. Educause, whose event is going to be in person in Philadelphia, uh, which I'm very excited to attend, and that the team of eCampus will be there. But they released a 2020 research involving student experience with information technology. It included over 16,000 undergraduate students from 71 different institutions. And in, in addition to exploring key aspects of what they call the whole student experience, the authors off, also offer recommendations for, for leaders and how to enhance those student experiences. They, cut, they break it down into five dimensions, uh, student success, technology use, and environmental preferences, student data privacy, which we just talked about, online harassment, accessibility, and accommodations. So some really interesting insights in there. Uh, the piece is written by our editorial director here, Laura Asione. We encourage you to check it out on ecampusnews.com, along with all the other recent reports, research and analysis that we put up on a daily basis. So thanks again for listening. Hope you find another episode soon. Once again, I'm Kevin Hogan. Thanks for listening.